This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the opportunity today of introducing two individuals, Stephen Allison and Courtney Hunt. Both are from the University of California, Irvine, and Stephen focuses specifically on ecology um, and evolutionary biology and earth system science. Uh, Courtney is in charge of the Ridge to Reef program. And if both of you could describe a little bit more about your work for the audience, the listeners can have a better understanding of what you focus on and what exactly is the Ridge to Reef program. Sure, I can uh, get us started. Um, I'll also mention that I'm the faculty director of the Ridge to Reef program. So I have my own uh, research program, uh, which relates to environmental science and uh, issues like climate change and soil health. But then I also uh, direct this training program, which serves our graduate students at UC Irvine and tries to prepare them for environmental science careers. So in terms of my, my own background and, and work, um, I've been an ecologist for pretty much all of my life and um, you know, worked at UC Irvine for over 15 years now. And my, my research focus is really aimed at trying to address some of the big environmental challenges of today, um, but and doing that uh, with a range of different techniques and approaches and uh, modern ideas, but also looking at some of the fundamental problems and fundamental ways that the world works, um, particularly the world below ground, the world uh, of microbes that live in soils and how those tiny organisms interact with big environmental factors like climate change and the, the large cycles of nutrients that, that happen on a planetary scale. So from the very, very small to the very large, and we use a range of different scientific approaches from mathematical models to experiments that we do in the laboratory as well as the field. And that, that's all been very exciting and, and fun, but I've really enjoyed over the past few years uh, establishing this training program where we actually bring in students from a wide range of different disciplines. So the program is called Ridge to Reef for a reason because we're really trying to train students to be problem solvers in systems ranging from you know, the mountain tops to the coastal ocean and the, you know, even the, the fish and organisms that live within, within those waters. So it's been really fun and engaging for me, kind of rejuvenating to interact with students, graduate students from all these different fields, not just science, actually. Now we have social scientists, um, humanity students, history students who are now interacting with uh, scientists and engineers to think about these these uh, local scale to global scale problems. So what are some examples of things that they're working on just to relate um, to listeners? Like how, how do um, like 
I'm going to say this incorrectly, but I'm thinking of it like I'm relating it to my five-year-old who talks about how like germs, you can't see them and how there's my microcosms and uh, she's trying to understand it in her own like language and such, but how does it relate in terms of the ecosystem? And are we talking primarily around like climate change or are we also talking like when engineering engineers are working with social sciences through um, the Ridge to Reef program, what are they learning or working on specifically that's kind of cross-disciplined? Yeah, there are many topics. Um, some of the more exciting ones, I think, uh, especially relevant right now, we have a couple of students who are working on tracking uh, COVID and viruses in sewage um, mm -hmm. and looking okay. at how that's impacting our, our beach water quality. So normally they would be studying, you know, the, the microorganisms that that live on the beach or that uh, come in pollution that might affect the beach and cause beach closures. But now they're taking their knowledge and technologies and applying that to, to tracing COVID. So that's huh. really relevant now. Um, and of course we have uh, students who are looking at uh, the intertidal zone. So, you know, how is sea level rise and climate change affecting the, the critters that live in the intertidal? Uh, we have students studying forests, we have students studying infrastructure. So like flood control channels and how wildfire is affecting water quality, how wildfire is affecting air quality. Um, so a lot of these issues that are challenging us locally, but also on a, a worldwide scale um, are being addressed by our students. Now, Courtney, you, you actually are in the classroom with these students. I've, I've had many of them in my classroom too, but uh, what are, maybe you can talk about some of the ways that you bring them together as a kind of interdisciplinary team? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I also want to mention as a part of the Ridge Street program, um, students work with um, various intern part or community partners and they have internships. And so um, some of the collaborations are like some of the students are working for California Air Resources Board studying air quality. Um, another student is working with Orange County Environmental Justice, studying lead concentrations in the soil um, in, in underserved communities. So um, there is a lot of um, different collaborations going on too. Um, and as far as um, one of the things I work on with Rich Reef is coordinating um, different seminars um, for the students. And so the students are in charge of um, inviting in various speakers from different fields. And so um, they've invited people from like California Coastal Conservancy to come in. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Orange County Environmental Justice is another one. Um, uh, California Air Resources Board. Uh, and, and different agencies. And so basically all, all of our students have different um, fields and backgrounds. And so um, the seminars each week vary according to like student needs and interest. And so um, it's a really good way for them to like build their network and a good way for um, each of the students to learn different aspects of different fields. And so that's been a really cool aspect of the program for the students. And we've gotten really good feedback on that, so. Now, is there a way for like uh, younger students to learn about similar fields? And the reason I ask is that I was having actually a conversation last week more around like choices of professions and environmental science and just 
individuals having a better understanding of what professions and fields exist, right? And I think you've mentioned a number of collaborators and a number of interesting projects that individuals are not necessarily aware of, right? Or realize the extent to which um, environment does affect us every day and is always around us, but we don't necessarily consciously acknowledge that in terms of what professions exist, but an inspiration around how do you inspire younger students to um, be more exposed to um, uh, different topical areas, especially at a younger age, so that that skill set is built over time and not necessarily only at, let's say, the higher education level. So is that something that's also a consideration of the program is to um, expand the learning and the training um, beyond higher education, or is it primarily just higher education for now, or what is the thought in terms of where you guys anticipate trying to grow and develop the program in subsequent years? Yeah, um, well, I know I know some of our trainees are interested in environmental education, so they're working with Crystal Cove Conservancy on environmental education programs for K through 12 students, um, so that's one way we reach younger students, but then, well, before COVID hit, um, the plan was spring of last year, we were supposed to do, our trainees were supposed to actually like have a project with the discovery, what is it called? Discovery Cube? Yeah, Discovery Cube. <laughs> discovery Cube, yeah. Um, we were supposed to go, uh, the students were supposed to go there and present their research, like set up different um, tables in, in like a fun kid-friendly way and show, show kids what they're working on in like a hands-on um, way. But unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, all that got derailed. So hopefully we'll get to do that um, this year, we'll see, but I don't, I don't, no promises because I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully I don't think anyone, any, no one knows right now. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully at some point they'll get to do that because the students were really excited about being able to like convey their research to a younger audience and be able to like do hands-on activities. So, so how are they conducting their research now then in a, in our pandemic environment or how have they been doing it? Um, are most of like, is most of the work that they're doing outside. So it just meaning, it just means that they need to reduce the number of people they're interacting with or how, how has it affected how they're conducting their research and their, and their work? That's a good question. And we've been really trying to support our students in getting through this really challenging time, both in terms of the training that we offer, you know, which was all mostly in person uh, prior to the pandemic so the direct impact of the program on their graduate experience and their educational experience, but also in supporting, uh, you know, funding and other opportunities for networking to make sure that they can continue their research in whatever capacity is possible. So I think actually the university, many universities have been very flexible and thoughtful in this. Um, I've been pretty pleased with how UCI has handled it for graduate level research. Um, you know, requiring that everyone have a plan for safety, uh, but that once that plan is in place, then the research is allowed to continue because it was deemed to be an essential activity for the university mission as well as society. So it's really important that we continue to tackle environmental challenges, mm -hmm. continue to tackle social justice, continue to tackle, you know, the, the basic research, like to, to trace viruses in the environment. Like we have to continue that work and we have to do it safely so we're not uh, risking the, the health and lives of our students. 
but we want to make sure that they can continue through their graduate programs and finish on time and not uh, hold up their career plans. So we've been very cautious about trying to support that for all of our students. And they've done a great job. They really, you know, they've changed dynamically so they can do the do interviews online. They can uh, switch to research projects that involve data analysis or literature review. Um, many of them you know, were working in the field, like you said, so they, they were able to continue that work because it, it was naturally socially distant and uh, safe for them to continue. So I think you know, that, those are some of the ways that we've been trying to help. I don't know if Courtney, you had any other thoughts on that? No, no I think what, sorry, go ahead, Courtney. No, I was just saying, I think he covered it, but yeah, go ahead. But I think what you're noting, and I think it's what listeners need to understand is like it, research is very critical to like sustenance of, in, of environment and of us as human beings and community. And um, so it's not that it can just stop, right? But then how do you, how do you keep people safe, right? How do you still overcome and how do you still proceed? So I appreciate you highlighting that, Stephen, because it's research can't just stop. Like we need, we are dependent on research to understand how things work what we need to do to improve and change. And especially like, as you noted, one of the topical areas in terms of uh, the virus and understanding how that interacts with the environment itself, right? It's not just only amongst human beings, but there's also um, an environment attribute to it, which I think is really important because we often hear more of the public policy or more of the um, social aspect or the health aspect, but that is directly tied to environment. So I think that's really important in terms of topical understanding for our listeners to see how everything's interrelated and it's not just only a, a single discipline or a single topical area, but even like wildfire and water. I actually never thought about that, to be honest with you, is like how um, wildfires and the fires that we have here in Southern California are directly tied to um, our water source. So I think that's really important to understand. And I appreciate you guys both mentioning some of these different topical areas, but it, cause it helps me as well as others to better relate, um, to environment. And, um, if anything, I think it encourages each of us to, um, join you in the research and want to get out there in the environment. I know a lot of us are housebound and people are looking to be outside and interact with others. So, um, I can only imagine that a lot of listeners would love to partner and join you in some of the research and participation and support of it. And it's just being made more aware of what's going on and what people are working on. So um, is there anything that you wanna add about their Ridge to Reef program? Why did you name it Ridge to Reef? Just curious. Well, we had a long discussion actually about the title of the, the program. Um, and we, when we first submitted the program to the National Science Foundation for funding support, we didn't, we didn't get uh, funded the first time. Uh, and that was a slightly different theme, a little bit more engineering focused. So then we uh, decided to just embrace our environmental focus. And when we thought about our geographic location here in Orange County, and we thought about the range of research and the way that we approach research in uh, Orange County and, and at UCI, we thought Rich Reef was really an appropriate uh, name because it emphasizes the connections between the land-based ecosystems and the, the water, the coastline, the air. So it's really, you know, encompassing a geographic region. Actually, you know, the uh, native Hawaiians have a concept called ahupua'a, uh, which is a 
they land to see slice that goes up and down the the mountainside of the the Hawaiian Islands. And I thought about that a lot in thinking about the way that we approach our our systems here. And they viewed that that slice as an integrated landscape where you know certain parts of it were involved in agriculture. There was fishing. You know, there were different plants and resources at the higher elevations. And I think that, that that kind of landscape perspective is really valuable and one that we're that we've been applying here uh, at UCI. And I thought that was a good way to represent it in a name. Well, what I love too is the cultural aspect that you just noted. So I don't know if you know this, but uh, my mom's family is actually originally from Hawaii. So I'm actually, I was born and raised here in California, but um, technically like third generation that um, was born and raised in Hawaii. But I love how you've also noted that there's, aside from an environmental relationship to the name, there's also, you made a reference to like culture too, which I think mm-hmm. there's an acknowledgement that environment is also strongly related to different cultures, which we don't necessarily always acknowledge. So I thought, I thought that was really powerful that you kind of mentioned that too, as you described Ridge to Reef um, in terms of obviously all of us are, I think are more aware of like social, economic and cultural um, learnings too, that environment has a very strong plan that for a lot of uh, different people groups too. So that it's, it's challenging me. I know as I'm listening to, and you guys are sharing of ways to think differently about the environment. And I think that's really powerful. We hear a lot about climate change and, you know, the impact of, um, of such on the environment, but we may not, not always understand the intricacies of how, like you said, the COVID virus or water or wildfire, just different interactions we have on a day-to-day basis interact with environment. So I appreciate you guys and your time in terms of describing what you're working on and what some of the students are working on and hopefully inspires all of us to also get more creative and innovative in terms of how we're approaching uh, different issues and um, coming up with creative solutions because um, I know you guys both by your backgrounds, not everyone can see it if they're listening by, um, you know, podcast, but both of you have very colorful um, landscapes in the background and it makes you just want to jump into each of your environments <laughs> because then just to be outside and maybe I'm just reminiscing because I just got back from vacation and was up at Mammoth. I, I loved the clear air and I loved the um, trees and the fact you could see the stars at night. And then obviously you're driving back to Southern California. Like, why are there all these people and cars? <laughs> you, know, you almost want to turn back and just kind of be outside and have your own space. So maybe I'm just reminiscing, but appreciated <laughs> both of your backgrounds and your time in terms of sharing what you both are working on. And if there's anything that I think listeners can do to support both of you in the Reef to um, Ridge to Reef program, um, whether or not it's funding or partnerships or anything, hope that individuals reach out either to myself or to each of you. So appreciate both of your time. So thank you. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes.
Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.